0: I have heard more inappropriate comments made about food, body size, and dieting from places like church pulpits, Christian conferences, Sunday school classes, and even other Christian podcasts than you can possibly imagine. That's why today we are tackling the difficult topic of how to recognize and overcome food lies preached in the church. Now, please hear me when I say that this conversation is not meant to attack our pastors and Christian leaders. What it is for is to help you recognize when these types of comments are made, what do we do with them? How do we address them as Christian women? And how do we bring this type of awareness to our Christian leaders in the church in order to prevent it from continuing to happen? Now, to help me do this, I have invited on my friend and fellow Christian podcaster, Nyla Weeb. Nyla is the host of the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast, as well as my incredible podcast manager and producer. And Today, we are having a conversation about what to do when you hear these types of diet culture-infused or triggering comments made, what do we do with them, and how do we address them moving forward. This is an absolute don't-miss episode, especially if you have any history of spiritual trauma in the church or if you have been triggered in any way by food or body-related disordered eating type comments. So without further ado, let's dive in to episode 36 of the joy Eater podcast. Welcome to the joy Eater podcast, the show that helps you cultivate a joy-filled relationship with food, your body, and Jesus. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm a Christ-centered registered dietitian and eating disorder recovery coach on a mission to help you break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame so that you can start fueling your physical, mental, and spiritual health all from a place of joy. We'll be spilling the tea on all things diet culture, even in the church. Think of this as your weekly dose of nutrition and body image real talk mixed with biblical encouragement from your Southern bestie. If you love Jesus, are sick of having negative body image, and wish food didn't feel so complicated, then welcome, friend, this show is for you. So grab your coffee, get comfy, and prepare to be challenged. This is the joy Eater Podcast. All right, Joy-Filled Eaters, we are back for another week of the podcast. And if you have been listening along with me throughout the month of August, you know we are in the middle of our General Nutrition series, and we're doing a little bit of a sidestep today because we're going to be talking about overcoming food lies preached in the church. And if you're thinking, what does this have to do with general nutrition? I have heard more lies related to food and nutrition and body image in church maybe than any other place, which is really sad. So I have invited on my sweet friend and podcast manager and host of the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast, um, Nyla Weeb. And so Nyla, I'm so excited to have you with us on the show today.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I love listening to your podcast as I edit it. So it's so fun to actually be on this podcast. And it's going to be weird to edit my own voice, though, when I go and edit this episode. <laughs> well, I know you get to edit probably your own podcast. So at least
0: it's not the first time you've heard yourself on a recording. And we got to collaborate for those of you who have not heard it yet. Um, I collaborated with Nylon on her podcast a little while back, and we had a conversation about um, like Christianity and faith and the process of eating disorder recovery. So we'll have to link that up in the show notes. Y'all absolutely check out her podcast. It's fantastic. Um, But Nyla, for those who aren't familiar with you yet and are just hearing from you for the first time today, or maybe who haven't seen your name pop up on my Instagram, tell us a little bit about what you do and who you serve.
1: So I am a podcast producer, podcast editor, manager. They kind of all fall under the same vein and a VA as well, virtual assistant. I help people manage their podcasts, like keep them going, keep them going out every week. And then I also help people start up their podcasts. And I really love it. I work with mostly Christians, so it's cool to get their powerful messages out to the world and be a part of that in a small way behind the scenes. And I actually used to be an intuitive eating coach. That's why I have an intuitive eating podcast. And I just kept it because I love the topic of intuitive eating mixed with faith. And I used to coach people on that. I still actually do a little bit of that on the side. I have a couple of clients that I still work with, but my business has shifted to podcast production primarily. And yeah, I'm Canadian. I have a husband, Mark. He's super cute (laughs) and he's so fun. And he taught me how to edit. Actually, he, he is just like so smart his brain how it works is so different than mine and he is a tech guy he works with computers for his career and he learned how to edit and then taught me how to do it I would not have been able to make sense of it I'm not techie but I can learn if someone else teaches me so that is kind of me in a nutshell oh I love it um my husband I feel like compliments me really well too and like it
0: sounds like Mark does for you my husband is very smart and we have very different gifts so it's always fun to like learn from each other so that's so that's so neat um and I love I love that you're in Canada I won't (laughs) tell any backstories I guess on that but I love it I've seen um there was one video I feel like you shared of one of your like Canadian winter snowstorms and I was like oh my goodness that would be like you get cold way a lot more of the year than I do down here in like central Alabama so um different climate but I love that you still have such a heart and passion for intuitive eating. So like I said, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about a lot about food lies in the church. And so I hear this, I'm going to say, I've heard it from the, from the pulpit, like from preachers. I've also heard it at Christian conferences in small groups, um, in all kinds of different settings. So just to kind of set the stage for those of you listening, we're not just, I'm not trying to like attack preachers today. We just want to consider about what kind of things do we hear from Christian leadership. Um, But a lot of the things that we have heard that we'll touch on today are a lot of them have been on Sunday mornings. Um, Thankfully, the church that I'm currently a part of, I've maybe only heard it once and it wasn't anything severely derogatory. It was like, meant as a lighthearted joke and it wasn't anything highly triggering. Thankfully, my pastor has a lot more awareness around disordered eating and body image. And so I'm very thankful for that. But I know a lot of people are in churches where their pastors really have no awareness. So just to start off, because we want to cover food lies today, Nilo, could you just describe, um, How might someone even be able to recognize like, oh, maybe that's a little red flag. That could be a food lie when they start hearing comments, maybe about food or nutrition or even their body mentioned in church or in another type of Christian environment.
1: Honestly, if the comment feels like the opposite of God's character, like God is not a God who shames. And so if these comments Mm. come off as like shaming or like obsessive or restricted or fear-based too, and um, if they're generalized guidelines, like that's what diet culture is—it's generalized guidelines like this is going to work for everybody, for every body, every health condition. But that's not the case. Every body is different and needs different things. Like what feels good in my body is going to feel different in yours. And I always tell like my clients when I'm working with them for intuitive eating that you could see one person eating intuitively, but then another intuitive eater. It could look totally different, but that's the beauty of intuitive eating. It's so unique. And so if it's like these messages from the pulpit, or even like you said, in a Christian book, like I was reading some Christian fiction books Mm -hmm. and it was just, I was going and afterwards telling my husband, oh my goodness, it's just promoting keto. And like, just, I was so upset. Like, anyways, (laughs) that's another thing, but it's everywhere. Just in books, small groups, like you said, Instagram, podcast it's not just the church it's just in christianity as a culture unfortunately diet culture is but that's how i would think that you could like identify it if those kind of feelings come up i i love that you first mentioned
0: like shame if you recognize shame or if it's fear-based because yeah, neither of those come from the lord neither of those are going to be biblically sound there are a lot of things that drive fear and at least to my knowledge and recollection, the only time fear is used when it comes to Jesus is that phrase kind of about like having a a fear of the Lord. Right. And in a similar regard to that. And so if you are feeling any sort of sense of shame, there's a huge difference in shame and conviction and we won't go into all of that today, but shame and fear are not going to be driven from the Lord. I love that. Um, I, I want like probably the most overt, Comment that I have heard, uh, diet, culture, food related, had more to do with body image, but used a food analogy. And a particular pastor compared, uh, said something along the lines of, "I wish my body looked more like Brad Pitt instead of an avocado pit." Um, and comments like that, I, like they're they're made to be light hearted, they're meant to be a joke, but when you hear those types of comments from the stage, it can be very triggering. And so if you notice that, if you hear certain comments made, or you're like, Brittany, I wish you wouldn't have said that, that was triggering for me. Triggers aren't necessarily a bad thing. They do help us identify where those feelings and thoughts coming from, and it gives you opportunity to work through it. So as much as I try to make this show a safe place, and I don't want to just trigger you throughout the entire episode, I was telling Nyla before we started this conversation that, again, triggers are not a bad thing. And sometimes we need to at least be able to recognize what some of those things are. So from that standpoint, I would love to know from you, Nyla, um, when you have heard food lies or diet culture related comments being made from the pulpit, or obviously in a book it's different because you don't have the author immediately accessible to you, but in some sort of a, especially a live setting, um, what are some things that you have personally heard or like what kind of reactions have you noticed either from yourself or even people around you when those kind of, kind of comments are made?
1: Yeah, it. my response now is very different. I didn't mention this, but I did struggle with an eating disorder as a teenager and an early college age woman. And so- how I would react as a teenager to hearing those things very different than now feeling very much. So recovered. Now it's more like I roll my eyes. I look at my husband and just like shake my head. Cause he's very much so like can identify diet culture yeah. because of the conversations we've had. But as a teenager, I can remember sitting in our church growing up and our pastor was sharing his exercise routine and he was sharing like foods that he doesn't eat. So like demonizing these foods, like I don't eat sugar and I don't eat chocolate and I exercise this way every day for this amount of time. And also, this is the biggest thing. He said, I don't eat after this time on the clock. Like, the kitchen is closed at this time. And he was saying it like he was so proud of himself, like it was the right thing. And you're listening to this as an impressionable teenager who's struggling with her relationship with food, like anorexic. And I hear this man of God that's supposed to be this authority figure that I can trust speaking things. And then I think, oh, I guess my kitchen should be closed at seven or five or whatever he said. I can't even remember. And it really took me actually years to get over that lie because of who said it. He had such influence, like such a great guy, said great things from the pulpit. But just because someone from a pulpit I've learned says something, it doesn't mean like God would agree with that. They can still make mistakes. They're not infallible. They're human. And I worked with my own intuitive eating coach. And we really debunked that lie and she helped me to trust my body cues. She said, you can trust your body cues if it's hungry at night, nothing bad is gonna happen from eating because you can trust the body cues because you can trust the one who put them in you. Mm -hmm. And that is what ultimately helped me just speaking that over myself, like my trust in God, like he put them in me, this hunger cue, he designed them in me. I can trust them because I can trust God that helped me get over that. But it was years of struggling with, not eating at night, even though I was hungry, because I thought it was wrong to do because that pastor had said, No, I don't eat after this time. And it just really affects you. And like you said, they're not aware of these things. And if they make fun of their body, like you were saying, what does that say to the person who has the same body type as them in the congregation? If you're saying like, your body is worthy of being made fun of, then you're saying that the person who has the same body shape is also not a good body and worthy to be ridiculed. And it just makes me so mad. (laughs) Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up
0: because that is what drove me the most crazy about the avocado Brad Pitt comment. Um, Because it is like pastors and other leaders will sometimes pick on themselves to try to like evoke a laugh, especially if it's like a serious kind of a message, try to make it more lighthearted. But I think they just, Like you said, like the awareness is not there. They don't realize, hey, if I'm making fun of my own body like this, other people who might have a similar body type could be like, it could really hurt their feelings or they might hear it as a means of attacking them when you've got, you do have to give leaders grace, right? I'm, I'm a dietitian. I am fully submersed in like the awareness of diet culture. And there, I'm sure there are times where I have made comments out of frustration or whatever it was, or before being aware that I wish I could take back, right? You've, so we've got to give people grace. This is again not meant to attack our leaders and go, "You should know better." But in that regard, we we want them to know better, right? We you you don't know what you know until you know it, and so part of the process of overcoming lies that we might hear—food lies, body lies, diet culture, even nutrition-related information—you mentioned like books. And I've seen so many books and devotionals that are quote unquote, like Christian diets or here's how to honor God with your body by restricting XYZ, whatever. Um, Side note, if you want to know what it looks like to honor God with your body, go back. We recorded an episode, I think it was episode 29 with Kristen Williams on what it looks like to honor God with your body. But we don't just want to leave those things there when we hear those comments. Like we want to be able to we want to practice speaking up for ourselves, but we also want to bring awareness to these people maybe that have no idea about the things that they're saying so that we don't have to hear them again. And so that hopefully future, you know, congregations or conference attendees or whomever also don't hear it. So that can feel really difficult for people to speak up, Nyla. So maybe let's just start off. How might someone know whether or not it could be beneficial for them? To speak up about a concern, maybe if they heard a diet culture or body-related comment from the pulpit or at a church event, what might help them decide, like, "Hey, should I say something about this or not?"
1: Mm-hmm. I think the main thing is you have to be spirit-led. You have to pray before you speak and say, "Holy Spirit, do you want me to speak up? Like, you know this person's heart. Do they have a teachable heart? Or are they going to get defensive?" and there's a verse about like not casting your pearls to pigs. Like, is it just going to be a waste of my breath to bring this up to someone? And you can maybe think about how they've reacted. Also just use logic. Have they reacted badly to feedback in the past? And I know I was at a wedding. I was a maid of honor and I was sitting during the reception at the table with the pastor who had married my friend. And I don't know how it came up, but it came up that I had had an eating disorder. Somehow that came up and I think I was telling him about my podcast, somehow that came up. And he was saying, Oh, I read this book by so and so, and it was so good. And I said, You know what? As me, as someone who was healing from an eating disorder, I found that book really triggering. And just from his facial expression, I knew that he was just curious. Like I could have carried that conversation on with him. He just was very curious. He wasn't like offended that I didn't like the book that he really found helpful, but he also hadn't struggled with an eating disorder. So just look at their facial expressions too. If you like test the waters, if you say something and if it's not received well, then maybe back off, but just be spirit led. The Holy Spirit knows their heart and just wait for that impression, that check in your spirit to move forward or to just, Pass on by because it's not worth your time. They don't have a teachable heart.
0: A teachable heart is so important. Someone who is open and willing to hear you out because you don't have to agree to be able to have a respectful conversation about something. And I think that's something that I see so much of this cancel culture type thing still going on today, where it's like, well, if we don't agree, then we can't be on the same side. And that just creates disunity in the church. We. We're not trying to encourage you to leave your church because you heard a diet culture related comment from the pastor, but we do need this awareness. And oftentimes it can be really helpful, but maybe there are some times where it is either very obvious or you've had experience in the past that like, they may not be receptive to this. So number one, I would say if you're, if what's holding you back from saying something is fear. Fear doesn't need to be that thing that holds you back. So so from the flip side real fast, and then I want to come to like, if someone wants to say something, but they're not sure how to approach it, I want to touch base on that too. But let's say somebody sees the facial expression and that person's rolling their eyes, or they're not taking you seriously, or they're like, you're pretty confident that they're not going to be receptive. Um, fear, fears aside, what are some of the things that, um, that you would recommend, Nyla, when it comes to like... How do we just let go and maybe not make, I don't want to say not make a huge deal out of it, but like there are some times where maybe it's just best to kind of keep keep our concerns to ourselves, or at least maybe have the conversation with someone that we trust that's maybe not necessarily a pastor, or maybe bringing it up to the person who said it is going to be a little bit futile. What would you recommend if that's the situation?
1: I was visiting a church as a visitor and the pastor... Was just going on and on about sugar and chocolate. And our world is just obsessed and so afraid of sugar, and it's nuts. (laughs) And, anyways, I was a visitor. I wasn't a member of that church, so I wasn't comfortable going and talking to him because he'd never seen me before. This was the first sermon I'd ever heard of his. I didn't know if this was consistent. But in the car home, me and my husband had a good conversation about what he said was dangerous and just really harmful, especially to people who had disordered relationships with food so even just talking to your friends and family like raising awareness with them even if it's not the person but i grew up with a really feisty mom and she would yeah i just <laughs> i remember her standing up for us so much and being assertive and really she's taught me to like stand up for things even when it's not the popular thing even when it's hard even when you get pushback and she when she didn't like a sermon when she found something really bad about it she would go and talk to the pastor or she would write them a letter. So if you don't feel comfortable maybe doing it in person, you could write them an email or a letter. And then it's worded the way you want to. And you can even show it to other people. Like, do you think this is worded well? Does this come across aggressive or is it more like assertive? Am I speaking the truth in love? So the written form of just raising awareness with them could be helpful. I saw my mom do that lots growing up to pastors and... Um, So that's an option.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it still gives you an opportunity to say something, um, but to maybe get your thoughts out first that that is sometimes helpful for me although i will say i have the tendency to make rash decisions when i get really frustrated and so for me i have done something like that before and i have realized i don't need to write it in an email format cuz chances are i'll hit send when i'm frustrated instead of giving myself time to look over it first make sure it's not you know overly aggressive so for those of you out there who have a similar approach or are just very blunt maybe type it up on like a Google doc or a Word doc first, write it, come back to it later when your emotional intensity is lowered. Um, But something else you said, Nyla, that I want to point out in case anybody missed it is you referred, I'm going to use the term um, relational equity. You said like with this pastor, you didn't really know him. Y'all didn't have a relationship. um, There was no like, he's my pastor kind of a thing and we know each other. So relational equity is when you have kind of that comfort and ability to you've got some relationships and rapport established and it's not like somebody random coming to you that you've never met before right like I am much more likely and willing to take constructive feedback from my husband if he says like Brittany I noticed you said this today to our kids and it came off like a little overly aggressive I'm going to be way more receptive to going, okay, how, like, how did I say it? What was the situation? Remind me. Um, How do we need to approach that next time? How do I need to shift versus if we're out and about and I'm frustrated and I'm at the grocery store and I say something and some random cashier or somebody walking around is like, you don't need to talk to your kids that way. I'm going to be like, you don't know me. Why are you saying something? Because you have no idea what the situation is. You don't know my personality. Yes. Maybe I should have said something differently, but I'm not really going to be willing to hear them out so much. Right. And so having that investment and that relational equity can be so helpful and valuable when it comes to something that requires a little more tenderness and, um, patience maybe. So, so you mentioned writing a letter. Um, if someone else maybe doesn't quite have that relational equity established with their pastor or church staff or whomever else, but they are feeling like I really want them to be aware. Right. So like, let's say it was a Sunday morning and you're fairly new to the church, but you're visiting or you're a new member or maybe you're at a Christian women's conference and you're like, I don't know the speaker, but I feel like I'd really like to make her aware of this. Are there any other practical suggestions that you have, Nyla, to help people really deal with those maybe food lies or triggering comments without maybe being the person that brings it up to them?
1: If you know a friend who's a little more bold, you could say, this is how it impacted me. And I know you're really bold and I'm just feeling a little shy and scared. Would you be able to go talk to them and say, hey, I have a friend who struggles with an eating disorder. I know that when she was listening to your content, to your sermon, your speaking message, whatever, it really affected her X, Y, Z way. So even just utilizing the different personalities that God has put in your life, that's okay. If you're just feeling like, I just... I don't wanna be brave in this way. Like I just don't have it in me right now, maybe at a different time. Just use a teammate and say, will you, this is how it affected me. Will you go share with the pastor? Or at the church where I was a visitor, I knew people who regularly went there. So I could have went to them and said, would you mind? sharing with him because you have that relational equity with them. Like he trusts you, you go here, you serve here, you volunteer. But me, I'm just, I've just popped in for one sermon, but you come here every Sunday. I think it would mean more coming from you. I don't know. That's kind of what comes to mind. In one of
0: the churches we were in, like we had, um, it wasn't a pastor, but it was another kind of leadership member and we had no relationship with them, but our small group leader was kind of in there, I guess, circle of friends, influence, like they had a, they had a solid relationship. And so we were able to very respectfully come to our leaders and say, Hey, we had this concern. We heard this said, um, we are, we don't want this to be gossip or get around, but we we do feel like it needs to be addressed. Would you be willing to have the conversation or would you at least come alongside us so that when we go, we'd like to talk to them personally, but would you come with us so that they understand that. You know, the heart coming from this is not it's not meant to be aggressive or attacking, but we would really appreciate, you know, you coming with us. And so bringing somebody alongside you, I think, can also be a really great option. Um, is there anything else Nyla, that you would want to offer for someone that might be either a practical next step or just a piece of encouragement, maybe to help someone if they're recognizing, like, let's say they do hear one of these food lies and. Maybe they're not at the point yet where they're about to have a conversation, but they like right after the service, they're going to lunch and now they're having anxiety about what they're going to eat or they're getting ready to go home for the afternoon and they feel like, well, now I've got to go use whatever XYZ disordered behavior because this pastor said something triggering. Do you have any practical suggestions or recommendations for maybe how to deal with that stress or anxiety that might come up when you hear one of those food laws?
1: I think logic is a gift from the Lord. And just using logic and also truth, when you have those thoughts that are in your mind, like you want the last thing swarming in your mind to be truth, not the food lie. So for me, sometimes it still comes up when I'm hungry at night. Sometimes I still think back to sitting in that sermon as a teenager and hearing that guy say like, it's bad to eat after this time. And Sometimes it pops up, not very much, but sometimes I'm about to eat, it's 10 o'clock and I'm thinking, whoa, it like, you know, it comes up and I just speak truth to myself and logic and I say, Nyla, you've been eating a lot at night, like nothing bad is happening by honoring your hunger cues. It's fine. You're like at your set point, your happy weight that God created for you to be at when you're honoring all his body cues that he gave you and eating the way you are now it's working for you. So why stop? Like you don't have to obey those food lies. Those would actually make your life worse because they did make your life worse when you were following them. Mm-hmm. So just, I think speaking logic and truth and also building up proof for yourself that when I don't follow that food lie, good things happen. I, I've proved that to myself over and over by rejecting that lie. Mm-hmm. And you can even speak scripture. That's the most powerful thing to just find a verse that applies to whatever food life seems to be the most triggering to you and I know like we've talked about sugar a bit and there was a pastor that I heard once that I don't know if I was misunderstanding him or what but it almost sounded like he was coming across that God had gave him this message that everyone should give up sugar and I'm like I don't think that's true (laughs) like I don't know if I was understanding him wrong but for after that sermon I was pretty fired up like you can't say this revelation from the Lord this prophecy from the Lord that the whole world should give up sugar I spoke to myself you know there's a lot of scripture that portrays sugar in a really positive way so you can just find scripture even about sugar like uh, I can't remember who it was I think Jonathan ate some sugar and it brightened his eyes it gave him like energy or like the land of milk and honey like it's a, a good thing in bible sugar is portrayed as a good thing in the bible so I don't know, using logic, building up proof and also finding scripture and just make sure you're countering that lie with the opposite, which is truth. I love that. Um,
0: Those are some really great practical ways to go about this. And if you don't have the past experience yet, choose one of these two other options. You don't have to apply all of these at the same time. But if you're like, Brittany, I don't feel like I have past experiences to draw on or at least not recent past, that gives you, number one, an opportunity to create those challenges for yourself right to say okay well the pastor made a comment about such and such food and it made me anxious about it what if we go like immediately face our fear and go out and challenge that food for lunch today right like have somebody come alongside you i would add to that like don't keep it to yourself like if you did get triggered if you're feeling anxious if you heard something that you're not sure if it's a lie or truth don't bottle it up like let somebody hopefully if you've got somebody there with you at church let them know Call, phone a friend, you know, talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm feeling this kind of way right now. Can you talk me through this or give me some encouragement or help me at least um, work through it? Right. And so the other thing that I would add to that, and I'm just going to kind of say this in a little bit different way, because you already sort of mentioned this, Nyla, is you don't have to accept everything that people say as truth. Right. That like pastors are not perfect, just like everybody else is not perfect right? I don't even want y'all to come listen to these episodes and just assume like everything that you hear on the show is truth verbatim, right? Unless it's scripture, then that's God's truth. So it's the truth, but people make mistakes. People like their wisdom is wisdom is something that we're going through. Um, at the time of this recording, our church is going through a study on Proverbs and seeking wisdom and wisdom is this process of like, I'm taking something I'm learning and I'm trying to practically apply it to my situation. And there are tons of things that scripture is very clear on, but there's also things that scripture kind of gives us principles and guidelines on. And then we have to ask the Lord for wisdom and how do I apply this to my situation? And we're not always going to get that right. Pastors, as much time as they spend with the Lord and preparing for sermons and serving, you know, their congregation, they're not going to always get it right either. So give grace But also I want to encourage you to ask questions, whether it's like we've talked about, Nyla, like asking your question or presenting your concern to the pastor or whether it's just taking it to the Lord, having a conversation with someone else. It's okay to question things and it's okay to have conversation around it. So um, I love that we've had this conversation today because overcoming food lies can be very difficult, but it can also be so extraordinarily freeing and bring you so much joy. And now that you've already said, like, you had this history in the past, right, with disordered eating, and you're in this place of recovery now. And I know, I know I could probably speak for you in this, but you could add to it that that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't challenged and overcome those food rules of lies.
1: Oh, totally. I would still be anorexic and addicted to exercise and just anxious about food and when am I going to get my workout in and such bad body image and not healthy either. I was too small. I wasn't healthy for what I was supposed to be at. And oh, yeah, life is way, way better because I did the brave thing. I will say I'm so, so proud of my like 19 year old self. I'm 31 now. And I'm so, so proud of her for reaching out for help because I went and worked with a Christian counselor and and later on with an intuitive eating coach. But I'm so proud of her for doing that hard thing and being like, I have a problem. I acknowledge that and I can't do it on my own. I need someone to help me figure this out. And my life is so much better now because I did that. And so just know that whoever's listening, it's not weak to ask for help. It's actually really brave and really strong. And your future self is going to be so happy that you took that that brave step to ask for help.
0: Man, talk about wisdom. I feel like y'all know I like to throw confetti. I feel like this is one of those other like confetti (laughs) moments where like you have to celebrate those wins where you go, Lord, I I have the wisdom now. I understand that asking for help is not weakness. It's, it's so wise and it gets you so much further, so much faster because you're not trying to sort through everything on your own. You're not trying to do everything on your own strength. For me, I like to process things out loud sometimes. And so even just having someone there to listen and to be able to go, Oh, you just said, let's revisit what you just said out loud um, can be so, so helpful. So yes, think about your future recovered self and what kind of encouragement and advice would she give you from a place of freedom and joy? So I love that. Um, y'all be sure to absolutely check out the intuitive eating for Jesus podcast. It is fantastic. Um, Nyla, is there anything else you want to wrap up with as we finish our conversation today?
1: I think compassion is good to bring. Like we've talked about the, like the preachers and even just Christian authors and Christian hosts at conferences or whatever, just there's a quote that says, you can't judge your past self with the wisdom you have now. Like that's not fair because you didn't, they didn't have the wisdom that they have now, neither do you. So just they'll know better and then they can do better, but they can't do better when they don't know better yet. If that makes sense. So just have so much compassion for them and be like a little sad for them that, wow, you don't know the damage you're doing. That's so sad. And I think that can help dose down the anger that sometimes can come up and make me mad when I'm hearing a sermon. Just have so much compassion for them that they're just so unaware. And probably they have a disordered relationship with food too. Yeah. And body image. They're not in a good place. So have compassion for them. And also just I wanted to say, um, when I do hear things that I'm not sure, like, is that messed up now? I know, but in the past, early on in our marriage, I would say to my husband, is that like crazy what they just said like is that disordered and he's such a normal eater like he just doesn't have any problems with food or exercise at all he's such like healthy mindsets around those such a gift from god to me and so i just ask him is that disordered and he'll say yeah it is (laughs) that's a lie you don't have to listen to that so just check it with someone that is like a normal eater that seems to be really free and joyful around food. Find someone like that might be your spouse, your sister, I don't know who, but just even ask God, "Can you help me have a normal like eater to be influenced by to check things through, filter through?" and he'll show you who that person will be and it would be different for everybody, but they're great to learn from and just observe how they act and talk around food and it can influence you for good just like other people influence you for bad, but really observe how they are around food. And it can be so healing. That was healing on my journey. Just watching like my husband, my brother in law has a really cool relationship with food. So does my sister. And just watching how they talk and interact with food. So healing. So that is what I would share to wrap up.
0: So many good nuggets from this conversation today. Y'all are going to want to go back and listen to this again. Um, So thank you, Nyla, again, for joining me for this Really, I think, super important and valuable conversation. And for those of you listening, we will be back again this Thursday for another installment of our general nutrition series. And upon many requests, we are going to be talking about how to help your kids with general nutrition and how to even get them excited about it. So if you don't have kids yet, I promise this is still going to be um, relevant to you. It's still going to be value packed. So join me on Thursday for that. And other than that, my friends, I will see you. Thursday and next week, so until then, may you be filled with joy and abound in hope. Do you feel encouraged or inspired to take your next steps toward food and body freedom after listening to today's episode? If so, would you take 30 seconds to leave the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? It's the absolute best way to support the show and share what you're loving about it so that we can continue to spread the word and serve you with even more incredible topics and special guests. If you want even more free support on your food freedom and body image journey, then make sure you get on our VIP list right now. As a VIP insider, you'll get bonus podcast content from me every Tuesday to help you press forward on your food freedom journey. And you'll have the opportunity to submit requests for the topics and guests you want to hear from on the show. To get on that list right now, just head to BrittanyBraswellRD.com slash VIP or find the link in today's show notes. And lastly, if you're tired of trying to Google your way to better body image or food freedom, I have something for you. We have a course suite that can help you take your next steps. So whether you're looking for a Christ-centered approach to overcoming disordered eating, wanting to improve your body image without all the worldly affirmations and self-esteem mess, or you just need a little guidance to boost the nutritional value of your meals and snacks at home, I've got you covered, friend. Head to BrittanyBraswellRD.com slash DIY to check out our signature courses and find the one that best fits what you need right now. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. I'll see you next time on the Joyfield Eater Podcast.